Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by ultra runner Elliot Lee. Elliot and I had a really good conversation around recovery and the importance of recovery when it comes to running. And we went beyond the, just the stretching and mobility and rest that most people think of with recovery and went into other aspects of what he does in his daily routine to help him recover properly. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Elliot, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Getting over my injuries myself, so no complaints. Glad, glad to hear that. Glad it's improving. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to get you on here. Um, we've had some good talks about the training you're doing to, one, train for your ultra races, but two, make sure you stay healthy for your ultra races as well. And I really love what you're doing both with the actual training side of things and the recovery side of things. Uh, which is why I really want to get you on here to tell your story about that. Sure. Um, so I want you to dive into first, you have a three, one training kind of cycle that you tend to um, stick with in order to really give yourself that hard training and that recovery. I want you to kind of talk about that and explain what that is for you. Sure. So basically what the three, one ratio does is that it's three weeks of build up. You know, I'll start at a, you know, a higher, higher mileage than I've done the, the previous week of that. And then I build up, you know, anywhere between 10 to 20% of intensity and mileage each of those weeks and then peak out, um, you know, about 30, 30% higher than I did the first week. Um, so as an example, I started out um, this last training three week cycle was uh, started 60 miles and then I did 68 and then I did 75. Um, along with that, maintaining my daily um, stretching, strength training, and meditation practice um, that I do in the either in the morning or right after um, my workouts, and um, so really maintaining that, you know, increasing increasing my mileage, increasing my intensity. So, um, you know, I peaked out last week and I did a, a 24 mile run around the two cities that I live near. You know, of course we're in this weird time that we can't really travel to go, my idea would be actually up in the mountains at high altitude and being able to, you know, um, acclimate myself for the races that I that I'll be running later in the summer and hopefully in the fall. Um, but I make do with what I have, and so you know, I went on a 24 mile run on on two different trail systems, also with with pavement. Um, some of my ultra races do have a combo surface between trails, rocks gravel and cement. So having them mixed surface terrain is actually good training. Um, so that basically is a three week buildup, you know, focusing on intense miles and ten intensity, you know, adding in more speed workouts as well. So, you know, for instance, during those three weeks, I'll do uh, interval training as well as tempo training. Um, and then in my long run, I try to add in, um, you know, kind of as a fart click, you know, doing little surges here and there. Um, but also doing time on feet on those long runs to simulate how it's going to be in these ultra races. So, 
Um, you know, giving myself the patience to actually simulate that is, is good as well. Um, and then the last, so the one ratio is, is a week of recovery where I lower the, the mileage, lower the intensity of running. Um, I might do one speed workout versus, you know, two or three. Um, and then I would also try to reduce the number of double runs or back-to-backs that I do during the week and just give my legs rest. Um, I had more, I had more cross training during the re- recovery week. So I'll do, um, biking, hiking. Um, you know, if I had access to the gym, um, I get on a row machine or do the elliptical or, you know, get on a stationary bike, um, you know, to at least get some leg workout, but not that, you know, running impact as much as I would on the, on the three week build builds part of the cycle. Um, so a lot of active resting too. So, you know, some days I might just do my stretching and my, um, you know, strength training and, but then I might not go for a run or I might go for a really, really short run or short bike ride. Um, but really giving my mind and my body, um, the rest that it needs. And then after that week is over, you know, towards Sunday, um, you know, it's like I'm mentally getting back into it. And I know that I'm going to be building back up again. So I'll shoot again for that, you know, kind of baseline mileage and then build that up during the, the, the two weeks after that point. The nice thing about doing this four-week cycle is, one, it, um, you can easily break up a training, like a 16- to 20-week training, training um, program, um, and basically in your mind, you're, you're going to be doing four to five of these blocks. And so each block that you do, you're like, all right, I'm getting closer into my training. Um, and it's also, you know, it's, it is kind of training your mind to want to recover, want to rest. So it's looking forward to that, to that last week. And I've been doing this for a couple of years now. I started doing this prior to the Lightville Trail Run uh, 100-mile race that I ran in 2017. And by getting into this four-week cycle, it actually started, you know, helping me to be better at tapering um, before these races. Um, tapering has always been a major problem for me, especially with these ultra races, is figuring out what is the appropriate level of, of tapering, what time periods do you use it, you know, how do you break this up? So by getting in this 3-1 cycle and actually having a week of rest and relaxation and recovery, active rest, I should say, um, it starts training your mind that you're like, it's okay. I don't have to be doing not so mileage this week. I can give myself a little bit of rest and it's okay. So when you get into the race cycle, when you're at that end part of your training, getting into your two to three weeks out from like a 100-mile race or a 50-mile race or whatever, you're, you're allowing your, your mind and your body to be able to take that rest. Um, during the intense workouts that I do, um, I also take really serious um, efforts to recover after those workouts. So I have a pretty well-tuned regimen. So when I get home from a, a hard workout, I immediately um, start drinking protein drinks and drinks that are also have electrolytes and antioxidants. Um, so one of the products I like is Scratch's Recovery Powder. Um, I mix that up actually to create this, um, what I call the banana split, where I actually have um, fresh bananas, pineapple, fresh pineapple, um, strawberries, blackberries, mix it with the Scratch, add in a little bit of almond milk or cashew milk, um, and then add a little bit of chia seed in that and blend it up and it tastes exactly like a banana split but it's a little bit healthier for you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I'll have that right after I work out. Um, And then I switch to water. I'll have a little bit of Gatorade. Um, And then I, I take a Epsom salt bath for my body. 
and then I, I hit the salts within within about an hour of the workout. So I'm, you know, you lose a lot of sodium and, and uh, salt when you work out. So that's one thing that I've learned to prevent the cramping, both during the workouts as well as post workout. So get the get the salts in. Um, usually the solid foods that I'll have after the the uh, the liquid protein is I will um, you know get a mixture of either a salad like spinach with nuts and beans and um, get all that going. Um, also, huge fan of eggs, but I know they're high in cholesterol, so not for everyone. Um, but I'll, you know, have an omelet or a, you know, a breakfast burrito that has, you know, potatoes and salted potatoes with with eggs and and a tortilla. So that's pretty much my regimen. Is that I really try to, all right, you're done with your workout. Don't be lazy about it. You know, it's still part of part of the workout is is making sure that you're, you're recovering um, well enough. And I think the last part of it in terms of recovery and rest is really listening to your body. So really understanding that um, there's a balance between pushing yourself, knowing that you have to go that extra limit, know that you're training up for an event versus something that could potentially injure you. And, you know, finding that fine line of like, and it's okay if your body says, I don't want to work out today. Um, you have to ask it again, be like, are you sure? Um, and nine times out of 10, your body's going to give you the answer. You know, sometimes you're just going to be like, shut up legs. We're going for a run. Other days, if you're feeling it really in your joints or you're feeling just really groggy or, um, you know, you're just not, not into it, take a rest day, you know, do some stretching, you know, get on the roller, get, get, use a roll recovery. Um, you know, there's things you can do active rest wise that you're still helping your body to recover, but you're not doing the intensity that could risk your injuring yourself. And I think that's a huge point because I know so many people look at their training schedule and just see I'm supposed to run this much today. Like I need to go regardless, but at least from my experience as an athlete, it's like those days you literally like don't want to go out the door and have no motivation. Like there's a reason for that. And in my opinion, it's called overtraining and it's your body telling you to take a break. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. Um, OTS is, I have a little history with OTS, um, overtraining syndrome. Um, and a lot of my, my friends would vouch for this. They, you know, they, they do, they don't just, they don't do the bare minimal. Um, they do what it needs to, to happen. For me, though, I get really mentally aggressive and feel that um, I have to be overprepared. And this is not just in, in my, my training as an athlete, but as an overachiever in many other aspects of my life and always feeling like, all right, I have to put this extra effort in or I have to, I have to do this or I have to do that in order to, to do this. I have been on the fringe of OTS um, actually twice in my life. Um, 2015, uh, ironically, prior to running three of my fastest road marathons, um, during that winter training session, I pushed myself to the outer limit and within about, Mm, two and a half, three weeks prior to actually running the Mesa Phoenix Marathon and first qualifying for Boston, first time qualifying for Boston, I became very groggy and I could barely keep my speed. And I was like very worried um, that I would not be able to perform very well. So that was my first experience with OTS. And everyone was telling me that I was experiencing all the symptoms, you know, being groggy, muscles not responding. Um, feeling like you're taking a step back 
and then just feeling very sore in your muscle groups. So um, that was my first scare with it, but I kind of backed off a little bit and I had a great year. You know, I did great in my ultras that year. Um, I also, you know, again, like I said, ran in my three fastest road marathons. So I think from that experience, I learned that I need to listen to my body more and that if it's at that point, then I need to back off. Um, 2017 was another year. Ironically, I did well. I ran the Leadville 100. Um, I also ran Boston for the second time. Um, so it was a great running year. Um, but prior, in between running um, Boston and Leadville 100, there was about three and a half weeks of time post-Boston that I was feeling really um, lethargic. Um, I could barely, you know, get the turnover and I hadn't rested. So I, I gave myself like one week of rest and then I just went right after it. Um, so what I learned from that was backing off and took about a three week break doing minimal mileage during those weeks. And then, you know, it clicked back in. And so I felt the energy come back. And so I realized during those two experiences of being very on the fringe of or experiencing OTS actually um, that I need to listen to my body more, you know, and that's going to be more important than actually trying to kill yourself during your training training cycle. Is, are those two events the reason that you kind of transition to the three, one cycle that you're doing now, or is that just yeah, kind of actually it did? Cause then I needed some way for me to balance between the recovery and the intensity. And so I figured out and asked people and I had some close friends that were on a similar type of cycle. They'd go two or three or two or three weeks um, of intense workup, and then they would go a week rest. And so figuring out what I needed to do to get to Leadville 100 um, and figuring out the time periods, the weeks that I could break out, what training cycle, what of this training cycle would make the best sense. Um, that's when I started doing the 3-1 and I've been doing it ever since. Um, there's been times that I've faltered and times that I've pushed myself too too much and and um, even though that I started establishing that three one training cycle, um, I failed a couple times in 2018 when I um, didn't finish the Run Rabbit Run hundred up in Steamboat. Um, I first signed up to be a the first problem with that is I signed up to be a hare, so I needed to finish in 30 hours versus 36 hours. So I pushed myself throughout the whole training cycle using the three one breakout. So using the three weeks intense, one week resting. But during those three weeks of intense, I was pushing my body so hard because I was trying to quicken my pace, quicken my stride so that I could meet that goal of finishing with the hair group. Um, but sometimes going beyond the limits that I should have. Not to say that I was on the, you know, injured or anything. It just, when I got to the rest week, I was like, all right, I'm not going to do anything this week. So... <laughs> It, it's when you get to the rest week, it's like, all right, I'm feeling good. I put the work in, but I'm going to rest. And I'm going to just rather than, again, having those kind of, you know, pre OTS moments or like, all right, I'm on this verge of potentially overtraining. Um, so there was moments that I kind of went back to and reverted to like, all right, I, I got to train. I got to train. I got to train. But, you know, around the time of run rabbit. And then I really got, got uh, upset. I'm like, right, I need a hundred mile race this year. I need to get my Western state points. So I'm going to go run Havelina, which was six weeks after run rabbit when I didn't finish the race. I thought, well, I'm, I'm at least a hundred mile, um, you know, um, fitness. I could, I could do Havelina. It's in the desert. It's, it's, it's like no altitude. That was a bad mistake. So 
there are moments of time that it took me to get to a point of consistency of doing that three to one training ratio. Um, and it just takes time and you to figure out what, what are the benefits of doing that. So when last year I went into run rapid for the second time, a, I didn't sign up in the hair division. I signed up, signed up in the, uh, in the tortoise. So I had an extra period of time to finish the race and I kept to that three to one ratio. And I also extended my taper and I became more mentally accepting of it because I was getting more in that consistent three to one uh, training cycle. Other than the mental side of things, as far as being able to feel more comfortable with your taper performance wise, what changes have you noticed since you transitioned to that, this three to one ratio compared to before? Um, I feel that I'm able to, um, I think my performance is, is consistent or better because it um, allows my muscles to, um, and the mental rest, I think, is the most important part of it. So if you give yourself that one week to kind of like step back, you're not, you're not killing it. You're not trying to like, all right, I got to wake up at four and do my first run. Then I got to go after work and do my second run. A little bit of lead, leeway time. Then by the end of that week, my mind starts wanting to and is energized to want to do more intense workouts. So it's giving that mind a little bit of rest, kind of regrouping, recharging, that it can, it's ready to go into that, that, next, that next cycle. Very cool. You mentioned meditation as part of your recovery process. And it's, not, it's something I know is beneficial, but it's not something I hear a whole lot of people mention when it comes to making sure it's part of their routine. So I'm curious on how long you've been integrating that as into part of your process and also the changes that you've noticed with it. I've been practicing meditation since 2009. Um, actually, I went to the, um, <clears throat> and I started running in 2009 too. So these two activities kind of coincided in terms of start times. Um, I was basically went to a bunch of training sessions down in Boulder. I went to the Shambhala um, uh, Meditation Center um, in Boulder. They had group um, meditation events every week and they would be guided meditation. So I would do, I would did that for about six months. And then I also did some more intense meditation that would be longer periods of time, um, less guiding, just a few little mantras. And then the rest of the time you're, you know, on your own. Um, I fell out of the practice a little bit. So I was only doing it maybe a few times a week. There was a couple of years during that, during this time period between 2009 that I wasn't doing daily practice as much as I should have been. And it was more geared towards just addressing some of the mental challenges that I was, that I was experienced, not so much with the physical part of, of running, but in the last um, year, year and a half, I've actually incorporated the meditation as, as a way to um, clear the mind, to clear the pain. Um, a lot of what meditation can do for you is that the breathing part of it, you know, when you breathe, breathe in, you know, and breathe out, what you're doing is you're increasing the circulation through your body in terms of taking the breath and it circulates through, um, doing body scans to figure out where your, where your um, sore points are, um, and then learning how to let go of being tense in those areas. So it's a lot of, you know, having your mind be clear and then clearing through your body, through the body scans, and just through the breathing practice, you know, being able to calm your mind, calm your body, and then that really helps in terms of the recovery, but also helps in preparation too. So that's why I try to do it twice a day. Um, 
sometimes three times a day. So there'd be days that I, even if I work at the, at the office, um, I'll go in the bathroom for like 10 minutes and go in the stall and just like check out, you know, just because if it's a very stressful day, taking that moment to be in the moment to remind myself of being mindful, I think is, is important. And I think meditation can teach you practice, can teach you patience. So, um, by meditating, being mindful, being in the moment, being in the now, really helped me to not be jumping to conclusions of my running, being like, all right, I get it. You know, get, I have certain goals that I want to get to. And it's like, when your mind jumps to that, it, it takes itself out of that moment. And then you add stress and anxiety to it. So if you can get back to it, be mindful of the moment that you're in, the training moment that you're in, and re remind yourself that, There'll be second and third wins during your race. They might hit a, 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 you know, a challenging moment, you might hit a roadblock, but it doesn't mean that the race is over. So I think that's really helped too over the last couple of years of getting into the kind of combination of meditation and running. It really helps to um, clear the mind, get back into that moment, both in training as well as in racing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I've noticed myself, I've started meditating about two years ago now and yeah, I can just notice that shift of being able to just control that a lot better now with that patience and not rushing into things. And it's, it's a really cool process once you start, or uh, it's just processing the word I want, but it's really cool to just kind of see what happens as like naturally as you start to get into that practice. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think it also helps too that like you're, you're in a situation right now that, that you're recovering from an injury. So I think even more importantly, during times that you're, you're injured or you're not able to perform as well, it really provides you a way to kind of sit back, you know, take the breath, um, be back into that moment, but not to be, you know, so concerned about like, shoot, I, I need to be running again, or I need to, um, you know, be biking or swimming or whatever your activity is, whatever your sport is. And when you're injured, you want to automatically jump back into your sport. And so I think utilizing things like meditation, stretching, you know, really strengthening those joints and connectors within your body, slowing your, slowing your training down a little bit um, is still making progress and getting you to the point that you will be back doing whatever sport or activity that you're, that you love to do. Yeah, absolutely. We hit on like meditation, nutrition, your Epsom salts. Um, just your recovery weeks in general. What are some other big key factors to that you have found have been really beneficial for you in recovery? Um, like I said, the, the sleeping is important. So I really try to um, get seven to eight hours of sleep a night. With, it, with this current um, quarantine or pandemic, of course, without community to work and having like three extra hours a day, I can sleep an extra hour. So consistently getting the eight hours, you know, um, and I think, you know, part of it is maintaining motivation. So, you know, part of the recovery process is even, you know, watching some, some trail movies or watching some, a sport, you know, movie related to your sport, um, I think is important because then you're kind of maintaining that motivation. You're like, yeah, I want to get back out there. Um, but you're also, you know, talking to your body, talking to yourself and be like, nope, I'm, this is my rest week. I'm not going to go there so like my game plan this week is to watch a couple of trail movies and just to you know kind of keep my eye on the prize 
um, but not actually going out and risking any, any type of injury by just continuing the process. Cause you know, some people have the stanima, either they have the physical aspects or they're youthful that they can recover much quicker than myself as an older person. And, uh, so they have an advantage. So for them, they can continually build up during like a 16 to 20 week, you know, training program. But for me having that week to recover, you know, and basically it amounts to four to five weeks of just kind of regrouping my mind, regrouping my body, um, I think pays dividends in the long run. So, you know, doing those type of things and, um, hydration is important too. So, you know, maintaining drinking water, um, every day. Um, I drink about 96 to hundred, 110 ounces a day. Um, so it helps, it helps with that as well. I think also vitamins and minerals as part of the nutrition aspect also helps too. Um, so, you know, making sure that you're taking uh, zinc and magnesium, um, and vitamin C, um, because the thing is, if you consider these rest weeks as kind of a mini taper, the way my, my, my body immediately reacts is, or at least in the past is that I call them the, uh, the, the taper Ebola is that like on day one, I would feel like I'm dying because <laughs> my mind and my body. So yeah, cause it, my body realizes and says, Oh wait, we're not running today. And then talks to my throat and talks to my head. We're like, we're going to start playing games with him. So <clears throat> That's an important thing to bear in mind is that when you have these fluctuations or variants in terms of your training, so you ramp up three weeks and then you're slowing things down for a week, um, during that time period, your body's going to start reacting to that. And sometimes it's going to react in a way that's like, all right, we're going to get sick. So staying on top of your minerals and your, um, your vitamins is important too. So I increase, um, during these slower weeks, I'll increase my magnesium, my zinc, iron, and vitamin C, just to make sure that I'm maintaining my immune system and make sure that my body understands that we're not stopping. It's okay. We'll, we'll be back to it in six days. So, you know, I think that's, that's important part of the recovery process too. So. Very cool. Well, Elliot, if someone wants to, or someone has more questions for you, just kind of wants to follow your journey, where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me on Strava um, by my name. Um, you can find me on, well, Facebook's kind of hard. I think I've locked my privacy down. Um, but Strava would be one way to get in touch with me. Um, I have my, my profile basically open. Um, you can at least see my workouts. Um, I do post to everyone, so everyone can be able to see my workouts. Um, you can also, um, if you want to send me an email, uh, you can send that to Elliot Lee, which is E-L-I-O-T-L-E-E -E -E at anthrotech.com, which, which is A-N-T-H-R-O-T-E-C-H.com. I'm also on Instagram. Um, I have it publicly searchable. Um, and my, um, my username there is L ski run, which is EL ski and then run, which means that the other thing I should mention is that prior to, uh, becoming a runner, I've, I've been a downhill skier for most of my life. So, um, that's why I had the ski before the run and my Insta handle. <laughs> And that's why I'm bummed out because my ski season got canceled or got cut short by 
uh, two months with the oh, yeah, I pandemic. Suppose. So that's the, that's my main cross cross training thing is that I, I go ski and I'll go run. So that's why I'm out ski run. So I've been kind of creative over the last eight weeks and, you know, biking and doing other, other activities to try to complement with cross training. So do you cross country ski at all or just downhill? Um, I do a little bit of cross country, but I typically do downhill. I'll do some back country. So I'll do, you know, skin up and ski down. Okay. Very cool. Yep. Awesome. Well, Elliot, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. No worries. A pleasure talking with you. And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance, where you can both join your OCR tribe as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer, a more resilient racer, and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.